Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute. Willkommen zum einzigen Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. Welcome to episode 132 of Schalke America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me as always, co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this evening? Victory Monday, once again. Victory Monday. And, you know, It's only now that we're having a couple of these that I'm that I'm realizing how infrequently we had said that over the past couple of seasons and how starved for a little Victory Monday celebration we are. Uh, but but here we are once again. Uh, that's two in a row. And uh, love to see it. The shock of train kept the rolling. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's rare for us to say. We're not used to seeing it again. We got to get used to this, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I like what I've seen so far. It's uh, It was an interesting game, a, t a game that was always going to be Uh, a difficult opponent. They were second in the table. Uh, they started out the season very well. Hadn't had a loss coming into this one. Uh, so it, again, it's what we're seeing so far is almost every week is a challenge. It's a, 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 a I think Paderborn is going to be a team going to be there at the end uh, in, in terms of challenging for promotion. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on the game and everything? How it went so far? Yeah, in this you know ultra competitive Bundesliga two this season, Paderborn obviously one of the bigger more well-known clubs just because they're they've also recently been in the top flight along with several others uh so a team that we were obviously familiar with to some extent and um as you know as you said in good form recently coming in i think they had won like i don't know if they'd won four in a row if they were unbeaten in their last four something like that but i think they had won at least three in a row something along those lines um so very much in form and, and you know the last time that we had played a team that was kind of in that kind of form. It was, it was Regensburg, which did not go particularly well for us. And so I think it was an interesting game to look forward to from the perspective of, um, you know, yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of staying afloat at the moment, but let's see how we do against another team. That's kind of at the top of the table in better form figures to be there at the end, as you mentioned. Um, so this was kind of another like early season test to see where we were. And it, it, we'll, we'll get into it and it'll be interesting to hear what your thoughts are on how convincing Uh, those three points were, but at the end of the day, that's the result, and uh, pretty happy with it, gotta say. Yeah, I think the big worry, what we said last podcast, which is what now two weeks ago with the international bre international break, is that we knew Paderborn was good, they're top of the table. Could we approach them with more respect than we did against Regensburg? Regensburg, obviously, we didn't take them seriously enough, and they they battered us. Uh, it seems like the boys uh, were more focused for this game and this one. So, uh, yeah, should we just get into the game and get into the lineups here, Jack? Um, the home team, which is Paderborn in this one, uh, yet Huth starting in goal. They went with the back four of Yalsen, Van der Riff, uh, Hunmeyer, Collins in the midfield. They had um, Melheim, Schalberg, Schuster, and Justvan with uh, Serbeni and Mikel uh, up top. The two guys up top seemed to be the danger men for the, for the team. Of course, I didn't know these guys going to the game, but as you're watching the game, those two guys seem to be the big ones that you had to worry about jack uh what are your thoughts on the paderborn lineup yeah Mikel in particular i think he had what four or five goals already this season maybe four yeah. I, i forget but um one of one of the higher scores in in the second division and the highest score on on paderborn so so far so certainly uh, a danger man there to to watch out for and um i think i'm i'm pleased with how we managed with him for the most part i think we only allowed one or two shots from him all game none on target um as compared with Uh, our guy, our, our main man, Simon Torada, I think had something like six shots, four on target. So that's that's definitely the way you want that that split to end up when you're talking about kind of the, the main danger man from either team. Not a lot of opportunities going uh, Paderborn's way through him. Sorry, I'm just adjusting my seat here. I'm like, oh, I'm off, I'm off centered here. Uh, yeah, no, no, it was uh, certainly two danger men. I thought Serbeni was doing good as a second striker and and feeding Mikel and getting some opportunities. Uh, I was worried that they were going to catch us on the counter. Excuse me. Looking at our lineup, uh, our lineup is actually fairly standard for one one change, I guess, that I was pleasantly surprised about. Uh, Fairman, obviously starting goal. Uh, back three again of Kaminsky, Itakura, and Tiao. Uh, midfield five of yet Oyan on the left, Trulinov on the right, Salazar Palsen, of course, in the middle. This time, defensive midfielder Florian Flick into the lineup, Jack. Of course, with the two horses up top, Boulter and Taroto. 
Uh, obviously, Flick was the guy who came to my attention right away when I saw him in there in his natural role. Uh, thoughts when you saw Flick insert into the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all just biased towards towards the young guys because we want to we want to see him and we want to see him develop. And in a in a transfer window, this past couple months, where so many guys that we expected to have. Um, at a minimum, like, you know, some role to play this season, if not having decent minute share, have either been shipped out or we haven't, you know, really seen featured. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see Florin Flick uh, back in there. And, yeah, not and not in the back line, as we said, was was the case a couple times earlier this year. Um, and you and I both, I think, agree that, that probably wasn't the best spot for him. Um, once again, obviously, we're not on the ground in training every day. We don't we don't we don't see exactly what's going on. But um, somebody who seems a little bit out of place back there and, and certainly more home in the midfield. So nice to see him get a start. Sorry, I can remember to unmute my microphone before I talk. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the game. We all know what happened. We won one nothing. Uh, Simon to a goal in the 63rd minute. Uh, it was an interesting game, Jack. I thought uh, early on in the first half, um, the, though we looked decent, at times we looked good. Paderborn, what it was evident to me is that they were good on the counter uh, and that they were – a very strong team. They, they're good passing ability, very quick passing. Um, I was worried that they're going to catch us on the counter because a couple of times what they were doing was the strikers in particular, Mikel were splitting the defense and they were finding that pass behind the defender. And I thought they were going to catch us a couple of times and they got close a couple of times. Uh, but that was the big worry in the first half. I thought overall it was a decent first half. Um, I, the one thing for us that was glaring to me is the lack of opportunities we were creating. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first half? The, what you see, I guess. <laughs> no, I would agree with you that um, the times where Paderborn was able to try to go more direct and play some very, you know, sharp, incisive passes kind of right to the heart of the defense, there were a couple opportunities there that um, were, were nerve-wracking and they could have um, created something. And certainly a game where they did have a couple opportunities. Um, Ralph Fairman, once again, uh, huge performance from him. And I think – I think I don't know if he's going under the radar this season. I don't think he is amongst maybe Schalke fans, but um, – yeah, I mean, like he bailed us out a couple times for sure. So it's not as if we, you know, we dominated this 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 one nil game or anything. But um, I would say right. in terms of the opportunities we are creating, yeah, I think I mean, I think this has been a problem, um, you know, most of the season so far. It's uh, I mean, we're kind of getting away with it, but it, we're we're very much relying um, on on Bolter and Tarada to be the primary creative engines for a lot of things. Um, I mean, most of the goals that we're scoring, um, it's one of them passing the ball to the other. Um, and that's great to have that they have that connection. But I mean, how many of those have been them kind of coming up with something often kind of in transition or, you know, maybe through a kind of a weird broken player set pieces, those kind of things. Um, it's, it's the old thing that we like to talk about in the show about not creating enough opportunities kind of from open play through kind of manipulating the defense, passing around and those sorts of things. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, but in the meantime, uh, nice to see, as you mentioned, Trot on the 63rd, uh, seven goals now. Bundesliga top score. What is it? Seven goals, two assists through six matches. Yep. I mean, like, what else? What else could you possibly want from this guy at the moment? I mean, he's 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 fantastic, and we can talk about the goal a little bit later. Like, yeah. specifically what happened, but yeah, that's kind of my my general feeling at the moment. It's uh, two points I want to bring up of what you said there. First, uh, Ralph Fairman. I, I brought this up in a live stream, and for those who didn't know, we we live streamed during the game, uh, so it seemed to be a good hit there. So we'll, maybe we'll try to continue that going forward. Uh, but yeah, I, I mentioned it during the live stream that Ralph Fairman, it looked to me like at least this season, he seems more shorthanded, more confident. Uh, I feel like the last couple of seasons, he's been dropping a lot of balls, balls that he should be catching. And this season, he just seems to be on top of his game. It's not something we're necessarily surprised in, but you know, I think the fear maybe going into this season was maybe he had lost a step. And we haven't seen that thus far. And I think uh, Schalke fans and in, even other fans from other teams are starting to like like hold up maybe he's uh really good again you know um what are your thoughts on Ralph Fairman because I, I like you mentioned he made some great saves in the game some some big time saves that really could have you know made an equalizer or something like that so uh especially late in the game he had a huge save on short side so uh your thoughts on Ralph Fairman and whether he's actually a little bit better this season or just you know the optics playing with our mind right now well, a friend of friend of the show, uh, Abel Mitsurosh, uh, was actually at this game, I believe, uh, this past weekend, and uh, he said in the DMs that uh, you know, because because he, he hates to give Schalke credit for literally anything, uh, as you know, but said uh, to be fair, Ralph Fairman is actually very handsome in person, 
Um, so he has that going for him at least. He definitely gives us, you know, the, the fact you're looking for something weird going on with the hair. Every team needs a couple players like that, as you know. That's the coverage we're looking um, for. How handsome people yeah, are in person. Thank you. Exactly. Double. Yeah. Exactly. This is this is the kind of analysis that people tune in for. But anyway, Ralph Fairman, uh, outside of just his dashing good looks, uh, very good at dashing the ball away from net this season. Um, and and yeah, as you said, there's there's that one chance late. I think that was actually our old buddy Felix Platt. Uh, that played that in uh, to was a program maybe, or I forget who took that shot, but you know, both um, he had one in the first half too. That was the other side from a kind of a similar angle. Both those were just hit venomously and he had to, you know, kind of get down and really, you know, push those away and did, and he did a great job in both situations, you know, pretty quick reaction saves. Um, and yeah. And I, I mean, I think as, as at times sketchy as our defense has been through the opening games, could have been a lot worse. Once again, I think I think every podcast that we've had, maybe the last three, we, we've mentioned multiple moments and matches where Fairman's made big saves for us that could, that could have resulted in things uh, being being worse. And and that's, I mean, honestly, that's kind of why I'm glad that we held on to him and that he was as selfless as he was in re, restructuring his contract to stay with the club. Um, yeah, he things have been iffy for him. We we haven't we didn't know exactly kind of like which Fairman we were going to see, but. Um, going into the second division with a goalkeeper of Fairman's caliber, who at times in his career has been a Champions League caliber goalkeeper. Um, you know, at the times where Schalke was qualifying, I don't think Fairman ever looked like super out of place in, in those games. I mean, he's, he's a good keeper, you know, on his day for sure. Um, I mean, so I think, yeah, having a guy of that experience um, in, a, in a second division where maybe the bright lights of the relegation fight and that kind of pressure is off of them now. Um, yeah, it could do him a world of good. And, and maybe, you know, we talked about the issues he gets the yips occasionally. It seems like sometimes where, you know, he makes a mistake and then his confidence is gone for like four or five games in a row and kind of compounds. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's, that's not a, a factor at the moment. And I, I'm not going to say it won't be a factor at some point down the road, particularly if we get into some sort of close, close fight in some position in the table. But, um, so far he seemed like the ex- experienced steady hand we need back there and has, has come up huge for us. And that just, you love to see it because he's such a club legend. It's always, you always, it's a guy you root for constantly. You want him to do well, it makes you happy. Yeah. He's, he's obviously a fan of the team, but also is him personally. No, hundred percent there. Um, and, and another point that you brought up that I kind of want to bring up, you mentioned how right now it seems like it's all Bolter and Toronto creating the opportunities. It's a very similar thing to what we said not too long ago about it's only Harit and Serdar creating all the opportunities for us and no one else is doing their, their fair share of the work. Uh, hopefully we don't get that kind of situation. Uh, one of the guys we had hoped that maybe could trigger and inspire some of that creation, Salazar, I think has left both of us wanting a little bit more, uh, you know, what we saw in the first couple games and preseason, whatever. He looked good. But since then, he's been very quiet. Um, it seems like most of the other opportunities created either from Cherlinov on the right, Oyan on the left, or Drexler in the middle, it seems like. Um, and it seems like Salazar has been very quiet. Now, someone brought up the point during the live stream that maybe, you know, he, he's, he's working his ass off. He's, he's looking like a good box-to-box midfielder. But that's not really why we got him. We got him for an, attra- for an uh, attacking midfielder role. And so the creation aspect is not there while he's working his ass off and, and is and is deserving his spot, I guess. We don't have a creative midfielder at the moment uh, outside of the two wingbacks. Uh, your thoughts on on Salazar? I know you made a comment during the live stream, but you know, expound upon that if you would. Yeah, and it's not as if we're saying like Salazar is like a number ten that needs to be like a Mesodozo type player. That's not what we're saying at all. I just I just feel like when when this signing was made, um, a lot of the conversation around him was was, was what he could bring to us in particular going forward and adding a little bit in in that department. And maybe that's, you know, just really bad read on what the conversation was on my part or, you know, a a poor player evaluation or something. But um, I I just feel like he hasn't been involved for us in the bigger moments of the games um, going forward almost ever. Like, I feel like he's pretty anonymous. and I don't hear his name called out a lot, which isn't to say he isn't, you know, putting in a shift and and has a good work rate and is doing things um, in other areas of the game. It's just, I think that, that part of it, I think I would just like to see a little bit more, um, I mean, like he, he always he, he kind of pops up onto the uh, I think like the, the stat sheets in terms of like shots taken, but it's just kind of like the Kevin Prince Boateng, like long range, like like random stuff. Like he'll have a couple pops a game out of nowhere. And it's not, you know, it's not kind of like the moments that you want to see him more involved in. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's basically But what I will say about the Toronto Bolter thing is I, I would much prefer us relying on those guys than relying on your midfield. You know what I mean? Correct. That was the whole problem last year. Correct. OK, yeah, we have we have. You know, I mean, Ari, and, and we have Suat Serdar who who are, you know, on their day, great attacking midfielders that can create things and score goals. That's what you kind of want as a bonus ultimately is, hey, we happen to have midfielders that can score goals and get involved in the offense, but we also have a consistent, reliable presence up top. 
And so I'm much happier having FC Monterado, who's like going to score you a goal every game, you know, assuming that you, you know you get him enough opportunities. Um, so I think in that sense, it's a slightly better position. And, uh, and, and, and also you mentioned another guy in there. Um, oh yeah. And that's, that's who I want to shout out as well. Um, just because I don't want to, just because all the, a lot of the goals are, you know, involving interplay between, you know, Bolter and Toronto. Oh yeah. As a guy that's, that's been super impressive to me early in the season and, and is rapidly becoming one of my favorite players in the team. Um, I think if you look at our, like our crossing numbers in this game, that was an area of the game that we significantly outperformed Paderborn. And I want to say we had like, like, I don't know, like eight or nine attempts that like, kind of found a target in the box at times. And Oweon's always a big part of that. He had a really nice shot from outside the box too. A guy that can play a, you know, a nice incisive through ball on the ground. Um, and it's basic, basically everything that we like had been looking for from, from basically our left back play over the last couple of seasons and haven't got, he, he's playing those crosses. He has good set piece delivery. He can combine on the ground. He gets forward, you know, puts in a shift. So uh, he's been really impressive as well. Another guy on the left side who's been doing very well for us, and in particular the long passes, Kaminsky. Uh, he's been quiet this season in a sense that you're not hearing his name. That means he's doing good things. Uh, defensively, if you don't hear the center back's name too often or the central defender, uh, central defensive midfielder like Paulson, that means they're doing good things. Uh, Kaminsky is doing very decent work defensively. Offensively, he's contributing. He's got a couple assists to Toroto already. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so good on the short-range free kicks, but long distance, he's good. I think that's more for Oyan and Salazar. Uh, but, yeah, Kaminsky, I think, you know, you mentioned this last podcast how he's been quietly impressed, and I think, you know, watching this game, it's continued that impression. Um, and at first, when you were questioning maybe his insertion to the back three, now you're like, he's got to be in it just because his passing ability alone, and he's been solid defensively, and Itakura had a better game too. Uh, thoughts on uh, Kaminsky and really the back three, uh, in particular, the two guys in the center and the, and the left on how they performed this game. Yeah, I mean, props to them. Clean sheet. Once again, not saying that there weren't opportunities and we didn't require Ralph Fairman to make a couple big saves in this one to, to, to have that clean sheet come to fruition. But, um, yeah, and it's funny. I, don't, I actually don't even think this was maybe Kaminsky's best game of the ones that we've seen um, as compared to, like, Ida Kerr or, or Malik Chow in this one, I thought, was, was better than we had seen him a little bit recently. Um, but, yeah, I, I do agree that, like, the thing that really stands out for Kaminsky is some of his his distribution um, in the early games, not just on the assist, but makes some nice passes from time to time. And um, maybe I overvalue that when I'm when I'm rating center backs. But I mean, as long as a guy is like defensively solid, doesn't have to be the best defender in the world, doesn't have to be a brick wall. But as long as he's like defensively competent, if you can find you know a center back or two that that can they can every once in a while, a couple times a game, play that line breaking pass. And launch something it's it's really valuable to have that extra option and build up especially you know when, when we we tend to struggle doing that from time to time and score a lot of things from transition from set pieces um it's really nice to you know once or twice a game have a guy that can that can find something else and have the confidence to play a pass like that and it's yeah it's paid off for us on the score sheet a couple times uh this year and so that's yeah it's been a signing that i've been kind of yeah watching with interest because not a guy not a guy i knew a ton about obviously coming in he's he's impressed in certain ways so we went to halftime zero zero no goals to speak of uh it was a fairly even first half i thought uh but two things stood out to me uh florian flick though he was better in this game playing in his natural position he still had much to be desired i think he's so he's probably the one down spot on the on the team in the first half, I would say. That's my opinion. Um, again, better in his natural position. I think he needs more time to acclimate back into the into the starting eleven. But uh, I was happy that he has progressed now, going back into his natural role as opposed to when he played defender. And the second thing was, and we I was talking with I remember uh, Magnus and Torsten Schmidt uh, chat and uh, give a shout out from the uh, live stream. Toronto was pretty invisible in the first half. Bulter was all over the place and a couple other guys, but Toronto was really quiet. And shout out to Torsten and even Magnus. They both said, this is when you look out for Toronto because he's going to pop out of nowhere and get a goal. And, and Torsten even said in the live stream, he goes, this is at halftime. He's like, look in the 63rd minute, Toronto's probably going to get a goal. Boom, on the dot, Toronto gets a goal. Uh, the, the second half was much improved in the first half, I thought, Jack. Uh, the couple things that Paderborn was dangerous on, we adjusted better, I think, in that second half. We started attacking more. And then ultimately get that goal, Bolter with that great run uh, from midfield. Uh, somehow got through the defender, the, got past the goalie, saved it from going out, and passed it back to Toronto, who just taps it in and nutmegs the goalie. Uh, great to see. I mean, you, you knew Toronto was going to pop out of nowhere and get a goal. Uh, Bolter with the great work to do it. What were your thoughts on, on, on that whole goal run? Because it almost came out of nowhere. You're on mute. 
Right, my bad. <laughs> but the second time you both done it, I don't typically mute myself during these, and because you were doing it, I started doing it. No, I'm messing up as well. This is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> what I was saying was uh, going back to Flick for a second. I, I would agree with you that I think it wasn't you know the strongest performance from him. And um, I, I think actually all the subs that were made were subs that made sense. Maybe I mean I'm not talking about like from a tactical perspective, but just in terms of who are the weaker performers in that game. I think you know Flick, um, Zalazar, and Cherlinov were probably all guys that you can point to and not really have a huge issue with them coming off in this game. So um, I, I actually, you know, so often you and I are like so frustrated about how quickly the subs come, who, what are the subs that are made? And this is one of those rare games where I feel like I actually kind of agreed with basically all those decisions, which is always nice to see. Um, as for, uh, yeah, the goal that you mentioned, um, I mean, once again, it's kind of what we've seen for them a couple of times. It, it's sort of almost like a pretty broken play to some extent. It's, it's, it's both are kind of awkwardly, you know, chugging up field, trying to avoid defenders, uh, and Tirada making kind of a trailing late run off of that. And uh, Bolter ultimately uh, megs the defender, I think, unintentionally, but megs him and kind of tries to run around it. Goalkeeper does a good job who coming out um, to kind of get in front of it and block the shot or block the touch, whatever, you know, kind of happened there because I don't think he, he, he kind of ran out of room, uh, Bolter did. Yeah, and the ball goes towards the end line, and he is able to – uh, save it. I think part of the ball had gone out, but there's still a little bit of those over the line, and they kind of like, they, yeah, yeah. I think they, I think it was fine. Uh, and he, he plays it backwards to Tarada, who had made that that trailing run, and uh, calm, composed, didn't look like he was surprised by it at all. Side foot, you know, through the goalkeeper's legs to the right of the defender into the net, um, and you know, the two of them combine again. And and I think I think it's the kind of goal that you and I would have been pretty furious at conceding. Um, because it's a classic example of just, uh, you know, defenders ultimately ball watching, falling asleep on the play. I mean, I think at the time that Toronto finally like took the hit of that ball and, and struck it, there was probably four Paderborn defenders in the box and none of them were marking him. And like, I understand that like, yeah. it looked like the ball was going <laughs> to go out, that sort of thing. But like, if you're like one of the several Paderborn defenders who aren't marking anybody, like at least try to stay in front of them. There can always be a rebound, like that sort of thing. And I, th- I feel like that's the kind of goal that Schalke would have con- scored, like conceded last year, or at times, and you and I would be furious about. And it's the one but, threat that Schalke has. I mean, if anybody on Schalke's pitch you want to cover, it's Tarota, and they don't cover him. Yeah, just that's something yeah, we would have done just, for sure. Yeah, just stop like ball watching and, and put a body on somebody. Yeah, so I mean, fortunate from that perspective, but great invention from Bolter to save it and, and Tarota finishing once again. So uh, yeah, love it. Yeah, and then my my big fear in the game was that. As we've seen in, in other games in the past, in particular the Owl matchup, uh, we get the lead and we all of a sudden drop back and try to defend for our lives. And we know we're not built for that. This team is not there yet. Um, I don't know if they're going to be there you know, by the end of the season, but they're not there yet at all. And uh, us trying to defend for the remaining you know, 30 minutes of the game, we knew it was a bad recipe. And what we saw is Shaka continued to press on. It looked like they had a couple opportunities to get more goals. I think Bolter missed a couple quality opportunities that he should have scored on and some people were wondering like oh is this going to come back to bite us because we've seen this we've seen this this song and dance before uh but you know got to give credit to the boys that kept pressing on you mentioned some of the substitution go ahead no tarada actually had one fairly clear-cut chance yeah he had more time on and he didn't get it around the keeper or something and i was actually surprised that was like the first time where he like missed kind of a clear-cut opportunity he's human as well but that's the bar that he set it's like he gets those situations you're like yeah he's gonna score that like because he just He's been so good so far. So, but I mean, still at his goal anyway. Yeah, but I was kind of with you. It's always whenever it's a one goal cushion with Schalke, you don't you don't trust it. Uh, particularly the way the defense has gone at times this season. You're like, we need that. We need that insurance goal. No, no, hundred percent. And they kept fishing for it. Uh, they had a couple counters that were very scary. I thought you know Fairman did come up big in that second half. Uh, we mentioned some of the players that you know were struggling. Flick came off, which is good. Uh, I think Palson came off at some point. Um, who did you mention? I forget. Cherlinov, obviously. I, I remember screaming because Cherlinov was doing some good on the offensive end, but defensively and in the midfield, he would just aimlessly turn it over. And those led to very dangerous counterattacks. And I kept screaming, get him off the pitch. And they finally got him off for a uh, 97 year old, actually 21 year old Matriciani. Uh, that's your boy. That's, that's your boy, boy with the hairline. That's man. my boy, man. <laughs> he got the Rooney hairline on a 13. Um, but yeah, no, they, the substitutions were good. Uh, saw Peringer come on early for Salazar. That was the other one. Um, so yeah, overall, I thought I was happy with the gameplay. I mean, you look at the shots, 14, 16 in our favor, uh, shots on target eight to three in our advantage. They had a little bit more possession that we mentioned was very 50, 50. They fouled a lot more than us. I think like something 14 to nine or something. Uh, yeah. and the corners are even, I think it was like five, four, we started off a lot of corners in the game, but 
uh, it started going both ways at the end of the game. Um, yeah, it was a good result. Uh, I felt more confident going through the end of the game than I did against the Owl matchup. Um, because that's the game that scored late, I think. Uh, I felt more confident in this because it's the way we were playing. It was more intent to try to go offensively, keep the pressure on, as opposed to sitting back on your laurels and hoping for the best. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the way the guys, the team was just able to lock up shop and oh, keep a shutout and uh, get the win? The second half was pretty open at times too, and so it could definitely be concerning. You know, later in the game, if you know if we were going to hold on to it, um, I think the one thing that's uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying that we're we're anywhere near where we want to be yet in terms of especially what we're doing, you know, in possession. Um, but I, I guess what I would say is uh, it's 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 the coordinated pressure again, off ball. Um, so many times in the past, like somebody would step, and then and then the synchronization, like his teammate would be late you know, to, to making, you know, the, the next move off of that to cut, you know, and, and so, so often we're hunting in numbers, we're arriving in numbers and, and I, we're throwing ourselves in the tackles. We're very decisive in 50, 50 balls. We're going after it. And so I think those things are benefiting us as well, because there's times we're putting them under more pressure than we typically do. And um, we're winning more of those 50, 50 opportunities when something squirts away, we're the first ones to jump on it. And so that sort of edge and that, that work ethic and, and constantly doing that, I have seen a decent amount of that from us this season and that's certainly an improvement. If, if the players can stay bought in and keep kind of that work rate up, I think that's going to serve us well um, as we go forward. Uh, I mean, especially like last season. And once again, it's 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 not particularly useful to compare us to last season at this point because of how much turnover there is, different league, that kind of thing. But there's so many opportunities just like it seemed like we were just the last guy to every loose ball. Like, you know, like, you I mean, just constantly second best and whatever, like, you know, there'd be a, a contested header. And then, you know, it, it, it bounces somewhere else and there's, you know, somebody has to pick up the loose ball there and we're, we're not the person that gets to it. And um, so many extra possessions, that I think, that we lost and forfeited over those last couple of seasons. And, and that's been an improvement here. So, yeah, I've been impressed with um, at least the way Gramatis has, has, has managed to pull that out of out of the team at times. No, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, it goes kind of to those comments here from Jake. Um, you know, you mentioned the pressing. I, I, I know I was watching during the game, and I noticed how we were at times staying away. And then all of a sudden, once they get close to the midfield, we started pressing and started pressing in, in numbers, uh, causing Paderborn to be very uh, unsure of themselves, causing unnecessary turnovers. And especially, I think that amount of pressing that forced them to run in that first half, coming out of the second half, they looked very tired. And looked like that's why we started taking advantage of them and getting more opportunities ourselves timely pressing and it goes to what jake is saying is like can we just take a moment and acknowledge one more time how well gramotis is handling the game starting lineup formation halftime adjustments substitutions all well done by gramotis this was a better game by him in terms of management of the game bringing on timely substitutions the right people coming off as opposed to some of the guys who may be on a, on a hot streak uh thoughts on gramotis in and as a whole in this game and, and how he did yeah, I mean, in this in this particular game, I think it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was fine. I, I haven't had that many issues with his lineup choices so far. Uh, I'm still not entirely convinced um, about you know us playing as coherently and as well as we need to in certain phases of the game. Um, and and I think there's there's work to be done there. Uh, but I guess the main thing was, as I said at the kind of the top of the podcast, this was a this was a a fixture where it was another opportunity for us to kind of go up against one of the better teams, one of the more informed teams. And I, I do absolutely feel like we looked like we belonged in this one. Um, I don't feel like we looked like we belonged kind of in the Regensburg match. Um, and there were periods of the time, like, you know, in the opener against Hamburg, for example, where we looked, you know, kind of thoroughly out, outplayed and kind of like second, second rate compared to the kind of football they were playing at times in that match. Um, and this was a game, yeah, where I felt like we were we stacked up a little bit better. Um, and uh, yeah, ultimately results, you know, all that all that matters at the end of the day. But I, I don't think the performance was um, bad or like a steal, like that doesn't you know merit the result necessarily. So uh, yeah, I mean, work to be done, and, and I think everyone's still keeping a very close eye on Gramatis, but. Back up to seventh place to the table now. Um, just three points from first. It's pretty top of the, uh, uh, well, pretty tight at the top of the table, I should say. Um, and uh, you know, a couple wins on the bounce. And, and if we can stay in relatively good form in the next couple games, I mean, I think it's going to be difficult to make too much of a case uh, for a change to be made in that position. Um, and like I said, you and I think we're always in favor of giving him time. 
um, at the start of this one to see what he could accomplish. But, you know, the fact that he did have an entire preseason now to work with these guys is going to make the leash potentially slightly shorter than it might have otherwise been. But, you know, you know, still relatively early days here. And, and I don't think we've seen anything kind of either way to be, you know, firmly like super excited about what we're seeing or, or like very upset and like demanding a change. Um, I'd be interested in, in, in your take on that. I know sometimes the conversation online has been trending towards we should consider making a move. What do you, how, how do you feel about things? Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think we should just stay where we are at the moment. I, think I like the way that the trend is going. I mean, if we're at a point where we are so far out of even getting close to being in the in the discussion of promotion, I get that. We're we're three points from the, from the first place, as you mentioned. Uh, you look at the table: Regensburg and Paderborn are still up top. We are just three points behind Regensburg at the moment. Um, <clears throat> and as as bad as we had started losing to Hamburg, getting embarrassed at Regensburg. We're three points from the top. It's not a bad way to start. I think we obviously have Karlsruhe coming up, who are just behind us, one point behind us. Uh, Rostock is on the horizon, who's a team we should beat. They're towards the bottom of the table. As is Ingolstadt right after that, they're at the bottom. So those are games we have to win. Uh, you know, it's nice to see the, the victory against uh, Paderborn. You want to do well against the teams at the top, but you have to beat the teams below you. you ab- that's absolutely a must if you want to get promoted. Um, so I'm curious to see how this is going to shape up here the rest of the uh, next three games or so. Um, but I, I've been pleasantly surprised so far. It's like, like you like you mentioned, Gramosius is doing, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. You really haven't questioned him too much. Substitutions been good. The lineups have been fairly fairly straight up. And um, yeah, his adjustments is I think ultimately has been the best part. Is you know seeing him in the games, he's seeing what we're seeing or we're seeing what he's seeing and adjusting to that and and making the right necessary moves. At least in this game, he did. Uh, so I'm 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 happy with where we're where we're at so far, and I guess it it begs the ultimate question: uh, Are we starting to believe yet? It's 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 a very early in the season. I know, I know, six games in, but uh, we are three points off the top. Are are you are we believing, Jack? Uh, are we are we confident that this team will be in the mix towards the end of the season? What do you think? If by in the mix you mean kind of like within within reaching distance of, yeah. of kind of of the promotion fight, then yeah, I think there's a chance we'll, we'll be there. Um, I forgot what my preseason prediction was, but um, I kind of figured we'd be you know mid table at worst. I didn't necessarily think we're like guaranteed to get automatic. I feel like you think I think you said like fifth maybe. I think because I think I said third and you said fifth maybe. I, I could be wrong. That, that might be correct. Um, and if that's the case, I mean yeah, I think I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, yeah, and the thing to keep in mind, as you were just talking about Gramatis there, is like, you know, you look at the starting lineup, uh, you know, Fairman, Malik Chow, and, and Florian Flick, uh, the only three players that would have ever, you know, been with the team last year, and, and Florian Flick only really playing in the last couple games, you know, late in the season when he got promoted into the picture. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fair that we have to say we have to give all these players time to develop chemistry with each other in his system through multiple games. Um, it's an entirely new team with a bunch of players coming in from various clubs. It's not as if it's like, Hey, you know, Gramatis is, is the coach, but all these guys have some chemistry with each other because they played for two or three seasons. Most of them, it's an entirely new squad. Um, and so, yeah, from that sense, I feel like we're okay with where we are. Am I starting to believe, I, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know. I mean, not really. I, I think it, I always thought it was going to be really tough for us to get promoted this season. And, you know, not not to speak this into existence, but you know, once again, like I mean, if Torado goes down with injury, he's got seven of our goals, man. Like we're like we to you to your point, like it's we're relying on Marius Bolter and, and Torado, and we need to find a way to kind of create some more outside of them. I would be kind of concerned about um, you know the sustainability of our performances when we're kind of relying on on the, the minimum goals that we're getting right now from these guys to kind of pull us through. It's working, but it's kind of like, or you know are we taking advantage of this a little bit and do we need to, you know, kind of focus on some other areas and improve? I do. And I'm not entirely pleased with what I'm seeing with us, you know, in possession under Gramatis. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of um, his sort of three, five, two system or whatever you you call it in general. I think there's definitely areas of improvement, but um, yeah, obviously I'm feeling better than I was after the Regensburg match and uh, you know, good results will do a lot for, for your belief in the team and everything. And Fairman's playing well, Tarada's playing well, you know, so you have a good anchor up top and a good anchor at the back and, and, you know, you know, could be in a worse situation for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm curious for all the people who were on a uh, complete panic mode after the Regensburg match, where are they feeling right now after the, you know, the two, two victories in a row here? 
Um, do they feel more confident or do they not? I'm, I'm curious. You know, tweet us at Shock America. So let us know. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not yet a believer. I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm enjoying seeing Toronto scoring. I would like to see more contribution from the rest of the team. I think, you know, we didn't see Drexler in this one. I don't know if he was injured or whatnot, uh, or maybe he had got COVID. I don't know. Uh, but he had been doing well previously. Um, I want to see Oweyan and, and Cherlinov getting more assists in there. They've been, they've been in the mix, but I want to see him create more. Obviously, Cherlinov got a couple assists already, and, and Oweyan's has been fantastic with the deliveries. Um, I want to see more from the team. Uh, and if Salazar or somebody in that midfield um, can pick up the pace, the pace as well, him or Drexler, that'd be even better. Paulson's been quietly very good in the in this in this uh, season so far. Made some big saves already defensively, uh, so he's been good game against Paderborn. Paulson, we hadn't mentioned him, but he was very solid. Another guy who's been quiet because he's was good. Yeah. You know, we were we were worried because Latza, who, who was the team captain. He went out early in the season, and we were like, what are we going to do now? Paulson came up, picked up, and looked, it's like we never missed him, right? Uh, he's been playing very well. Uh, he looked decent in the international break, but has nothing really to do with Shocker, right? Uh, I, I think it's been good. But this is the thing, though. I mean, you look at that midfield three in this game, you know, Flick, Zalazar, Paulson. You, in my opinion, we didn't get a whole lot from them in terms of contributing to the attack. So basically you're relying on both Rotorada and the wingbacks to you know to, to to create things and i think that's part of the problem we need we need at least one other guy in there that can consistently um i agree a couple of times a game create something and, and i think that's kind of what we were hoping for out of zalazar we haven't seen it not to, not to throw it all on his shoulders but like you know paulson's obviously more of like a number six defensive that kind of thing marshalling his, his team and flick you know a couple of plays last season where he showed some of that but we consider him to be more of like you know a, you know a possession midfielder as well so to speak um yeah so that, that's something to keep an eye on. i think we uh, we need we need like one other little bit of spark and i think we'll be in in decent shape because too much of the creativity is coming like we said from Volter and Torada instead of them being just being the end product on creativity that's been created elsewhere on the pitch you know who i did like in this game that came off of florian flick and i think it was i think he came off of florian flick uh i then i then came in he was a nice little spark plug in the game Maybe he can create the opportunities uh, offensively, give us a little a spark. I think Drexler would be, was missed. I think not having him in the lineup, he he tends to stick his nose in there and be involved in the box all the time. Salazar, I think he's a good box-to-box midfield. He's not kind of the attacking midfielder where we need. We need still more contribution from that, whether it comes from the youth ranks or we, we sign somebody, I don't know. I know we nearly signed a, a striker with a, a checkered pass, and I'm glad we we retracted that offer. Many people are ecstatic that, that we didn't give him that offer out. But uh, yeah, we need to find a spark plug because, like you mentioned, did you, did you see the Daniel Sturridge rumors recently? I did not, but I'm listening. That was that was subsequent to, to what you were talking about. Yeah, the move that we backed away from after a lot of fan outrage. Uh, but yeah, I saw I saw a couple of rumors that we were in talks with Sturridge, but for financial reasons, it wasn't going to work out. I don't know if that would be true or not. That'd be hilarious if we ended up with a player like that in the second division. That would be uh, hilarious. despite his, his recent <laughs> struggles. Yeah, I mean Jefferson Farfan still scoring goals. Maybe we get him from uh, Peru. Who knows? Please. <laughs> Can't wait till he's like a team manager, like you know, like on the side, like part of the coaching staff, whatever. Yeah, if Mike Buskins can be sure, certainly you know Jefferson Farfan can be for. I mean, Buskins is like always there. He's like one of those common fixtures. Oh no, that that's funny. But yeah, we need some depth. We we do. I mean, if one of the big horses up top go down, who who steps in? Because oh, by the way, we don't have a striker anymore. We lost Matthew Hoppy. Uh, you know, that's one of the news that came out during the international break. Officially, Hoppy is gone. Harit is officially gone as well. Let's start with Hoppy. Uh, we, we mentioned we need some depth at striker. Hoppy was a guy we thought maybe could be groomed by Toroto and, and Bulter, uh, seeing them score, getting the opportunity to learn from them. He gets shipped off to Mallorca, officially sold. I believe it was a sell, right, Jack? Um, he's gone. We don't have a backup striker. I mean, Trelonov is probably the next next guy up. Uh, thoughts on Hoppy, the Hoppinings? Uh, experience that we had here, the short-lived one, I guess. Uh, have we seriously not talked about this in the last podcast? Did this happened after our last. Episode? I believe it did officially. That's what happens on international breaks. I feel like it. it we kind of lose track of time after a while. Uh, yeah, it happened finally. We were kind of waiting for that one. Uh, somewhere in America, Ethan at Tedesco time rejoices for the lack of any Americans in the in the in the, uh, in the first team at the moment. He's he's pleased about that. Dark days in Shock America, of course. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Hoppy had an opportunity to go play football uh, in Mallorca, which, 
I mean, I haven't I haven't been to Mallorca. I haven't been to to Gelsenkirchen either. But like, I think if you're if you're picking a location in which to ply your trade, in which to live, I think there's a there's a clear winner there. Um, and uh, you know, playing playing Spanish top five football um, for a club that has American owners and American ties, um, I can see why that's more desirable than than you know the situation at Schalke, where you're second division in Germany behind a Simon Torada. Um, who's who's going to command the pitch time, deservingly so. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I understand, the club situation at, at, at Mallorca is such that Hoppy can compete for decent minutes off the bat in the first team. I don't know if that's true or not. That's kind of the sense I got. Um, if that happens, yeah, it could end up being a really good move for him. Um, and I don't think this is necessarily a move that's like far beyond his, 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 his level necessarily playing for a club that's in the position of a Mallorca at the moment. Um, but yeah, wish him the best. Uh, yeah, would have liked to see more of him. Certainly would have liked to hold on to him. Ultimately, given what his transfer fee was, not as high as I think we were kind of like hoping it would spike up to. Um, and yeah, for the depth reasons that we discussed earlier, I would have liked to hold on to him this season. And, and he's certainly young enough where I don't think that would set his timeline back, you know, playing a couple seasons with us still. But uh, best wishes. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, another Schalke American steps up to the plate in the immediate future for us. Evan Rotondo, come on up. <laughs> uh, another guy who is not an American, uh, a French player, Moroccan, I guess, by, by nationality. Uh, I mean, Harit, he's, a, he's a on loan, not a sell, but he's on loan to Marseille. Um, that, that seemed like it wasn't going to happen. It waited till well after the hours of closing. I mean, I know it's still open in France, but, you know, in Germany it closed and, you know, most of Europe was closed at that point. Uh, they weren't able to pick him up until they officially sold somebody and they finally got that deal done. But he isn't officially an, an Olympic Marseille player. Uh, I, I saw someone joked, I saw his highlight reel, and it was just like one move he made in the game at the first game he played. But um, I know you joined the uh, Marseille View recently on their podcast to talk about, I mean, Harit. Uh, thoughts on Harit moving to Olympic Marseille and possibly getting a career rejuvenation or, or not? Yeah, yeah. Join join them uh, yesterday. Feel free to go check out their podcast. Um, uh, certainly, the American contingent, uh, I think, of our listener base may be interested not only um, for the Schalke crossover with Amina Harit, but of course Conrad De La Fuente um, now at Marseille as well from the U.S. men's national team perspective. Uh, you know, getting a lot of minutes over there figures to have a big season uh, leading up to. Uh, I mean, I mean, continuing World Cup qualifying from the international window that we just had. Yeah, so go definitely check them out. Um, yeah, Harit, I mean, the interesting thing was that, as we've said on multiple podcasts in the past, that the likes of, of Kabak and, and Harit and Suat Serdar were kind of the big names that we that we figured we'd be able to sell relatively easily for permanent transfer fees to kind of help us out. Um, it, one, in getting their 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 salary off the books, their wages off the books, but two, in actually getting some substantial transfer windfall um, to try to make some progress against this this debt and, and fund some of the moves we wanted to make. And, uh, yeah, it didn't really work out that way with Kabak or Harit, and I think Harit in particular was surprising because, you know, even despite the past consistency, some of the issues off the field in the past obviously had that um, kind of tragic situation with the car accident um, in Morocco post-2018 World Cup. Um, I think there was some, you know, talk of like gambling issues or something or time he was spending uh, at a local casino, that kind of stuff. So he's had he's had some issues at times off the field. Um, I, I think you and I both kind of feel like his talent would kind of win out and kind of win the day. And somebody w- would spend some money on him and, and to bring him in. Um, and so the fact that he was ultimately loaned out late in the window, as you said, with no option to buy is very interesting to me. Um, so I, I think I think what I would say is. Could go a couple different ways. Um, if Schalke somehow bounce right back up to the first division, there's no option to buy from our side. Maybe he slots back in and wants to stay at Schalke. I doubt it. I think it's more likely that, um, you know, we're all kind of hoping he he gets a lot of minutes, has a great display from our side, kind of ups his transfer value, and then we can reevaluate this next summer, hopefully for a much higher fee than what we were, you know, able to get from the market when we were testing it uh, this past summer. Um, and then, uh, you know, as, as Renee just mentioned right there, um, you know, looks good so far. And, you know, hopefully in a more stable situation with a better team playing, I mean, more important football, let's face it, uh, he can slot in and, and have success. I mean, I think, you know, Harit being back in France where he came from prior to joining us makes a lot of sense for him. And, uh, yeah, best wishes for him um, on a number of verticals, just personally for him. And then also it's also good for us, obviously, if he plays well too. But um, certainly a player that, you know, all of us, I think Schalke kind of root for and would like to see realize the potential that we all agree that he has. Yeah, and I, I think – 
you know, him seeing at Schalke, he was one of the big fish on the team, and maybe the pressure was too much and he wasn't ready for it yet. You know, going to Marseille, he's not the big fish at all. There's certainly a lot of big, bigger, bigger name players that are there. Um, I think Payet's even still there, right? Uh, so they got a they got a good squad over there, and so he it's good for him to kind of step back from the shadows and then do his thing, focus on himself and and focus on the skill and and really get get his confidence back. And I think you know, like Renee mentioned, like you said, uh, he's, he's he did well in his debut, and so let's see. Uh, hopefully, he does well going forward because a if we you know we bounce back up to the Bundesliga, he can contribute, or we can you know get some money for him, like you mentioned. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna be paying attention to him, both him and uh, Hoppy, see how they do. Uh, obviously, hoping more for sentimental reasons, but Hari, you know, could be potentially good for us in two different ways. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting to take there with with the, with those two gentlemen who just left us. Um, I do want to mention that uh, apparently we even missed Jack, um, our cousins uh, in our you know our rivalry with Dortmund. Uh, they they've been missing us, Jack, and, and I, I I check in with the. Uh, Fear the Wall blog, and uh, they've been—they were checking up on us. It was—it was actually a, a, a nice article about us because they were like, I, I guess they're missing us because you know they're getting beat by Bayern and uh, and Leipzig this year, so they want to see how we're doing. And it, it's saying you know how we we've started very well so far this year, and and this and that. So it's nice that we are feeling loved from uh from our dear bitter rivals. What are your thoughts on uh, our cousins checking in on us and making sure we're we're still uh, are beating our hearts? I haven't read this particular piece, um, so I'll have to go check that out. Uh, so maybe, maybe this was like legitimately a nice, nice sentiment. Um, but in general, you know, what I see on social media is, is even though we're relegated, Dortmund fans still, uh, you know, uh, the Schadenfreude when we, when we perform poorly. And as I've always said, happy to distract Dortmund from their consistent uh, <laughs> mediocrity and, and failure to to overcome uh, Bayern Munich and others. Um, happy to be the punching bag from them so they don't have to look at themselves in the mirror and question what they're doing every year, their inability to actually secure a title. As in, for those of you who are watching the live stream, uh, you know, Renee just now bringing up Mendel scoring uh, multiple times. Uh, we hadn't brought that up, and I was hoping no one was going to bring that up, so thank you for doing that. You know, Renee's not going to let that slip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't feel bad about that at all because I still stand by the fact that there are almost no performances in a Schalke kit in which he looked particularly good. Um, wish him all the success in the world and, you know, nice these. I saw, I saw the highlights of one of those. It was like some long breakaway where there was literally no defense. So, okay, sure. Fine. Wait, is he playing striker again? The one. He playing striker? Maybe the second one was, but yeah, against like the Revere Derby where we had, what was it, Weston McKenney and Mendel up in, oh my goodness. Uh, the flashbacks right now, terrible stuff. That, that, that was one of the ones where I like drove to Columbus to watch that game too. Of all, yeah. Oh, brutal. Brutal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good, good for good for Hamza Mendel. Renee um, says that's what he's yeah. here for. Yeah, no no animosity toward, towards the guy. Hope he hope he hope he does well. Oh man, that's uh, that's good. That is good. Uh, again, for those uh, who uh, missed the live stream, yeah, you, you missed it. Um, a good time, I think. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing the, the live stream. Uh, Jackie on it as well in the chat. Uh, we had a good time there. So. Uh, we're gonna. We'll see if we can try to do it again. Next game is against Karlsruhe, so hopefully we can get that uh, get that going. Um, yeah, uh, you know we definitely give shout outs to uh, some of the German streamers. Obviously, Cedric Zalmat, who's been on our show at Schalke Corner. You had Koningsbau TV with Kesti off of the Schalke Botschaft as well. Uh, who's uh, over at the Shrunken Shrunken Mushroom? What's that? What's that bar in uh, Columbus? Shrunken Head. Shrunken Head. Shrunken Head. Thank you. There it is. Shrunken Mushroom. <laughs> Flashbacks to high school. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it, it's good times by all. Uh, obviously, everyone's celebrating the Toronto goal when he scored. So, hopefully, we can keep this momentum yeah. going against uh, Carl's rule coming here. So, any closing comments here? Obviously, you know, uh, it's good to get on a, a winning streak. I guess it's not officially a winning streak until you win three in a row, right? So, maybe we can get that going. What, what yeah, a guess? couple of consecutive results, as we said. Once again, I- individual quibbles with with certain parts of the performance, certain parts of Gramazza's system so far, sure. But you know, this was once again an informed side, a side that we figure is going to be in contention coming into the season. Nice to go and get a result on the road. Can't complain about that at the end of the day. So good to see. No, no, I agree hundred percent that. Um, uh, re- <laughs> One more comment from, from from Renee in the chat just now asks us how we're coping with earlier kickoff times. Uh, not well, uh, particularly because this past this past Saturday evening I was at actually an Oktoberfest 
themed party uh, in my in my town of a family friend of ours. Um, so I don't think I, I returned home until about 2 a.m. And I had to be up at 6.30 a.m. for the kickoff. And once again, because Schalke has not allowed us to sign up for Schalke TV as of yet, despite our efforts, our best efforts to pay them money to access the product that they purportedly sell. Um, uh, so we're, we're, we're having to buy the games individually on the one football app with a VPN, which means we can't watch them on demand at all. So in this particular case, in order to, I, I couldn't like go back and like check parts of the match, rewatch parts of the match to prepare for the podcast. I had to rely on what I watched at 630 in the morning, kind of hung over after four and a half hours of sleep after an Oktoberfest party. So that's the level of analysis you're tuning in for today, folks. Uh, not that it's top much notch. better generally, top but notch. yeah, the, the yeah, the law, the short answer is no. We're not, we're not, we're not doing well with the early kickoff times. I'm probably doing better than you because I'm used to waking up with a with a three year old kid waking up early. East Coast too. You have an hour. I'm advantage. at seven thirty. I have an hour advantage. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, we have to watch the games live. We, we don't have the benefit of the replays, but uh, it's been interesting. And for me, at least, you know, I'm trying to watch this game on the One Football app and. Two games in a row now. I can't get the stream to work for the beginning of the game. I gotta keep refreshing and doing this and that, and finally get the game going. Luckily, there's a German commentary on Shaka's website, which is free, which is helping out a lot. But uh, yeah, we're both having struggles so far. But you know, we're trying to make sure everyone else who doesn't have the access, like uh, like you guys do in Germany, to you know share the wealth as much as we can. And hopefully, these live streams will help in in some way or form. At least you know, have a have a spot, a community for uh, Shaka fans to uh, watch the game together, at least, and 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 talk shit about the opponent. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. So, uh, let's wrap this one up, Jack. Um, Shaka US newsletter. If you haven't done, you know signed up for that yet, make sure you sign up. Use your email. You get it once a month. Get some updates from the club. Um, again, you know, I want to give a shout out to the Shaka website. If you if you do want to listen to the game, you can't watch it. Go to Shaka's website. On the left hand side of the page, there's a little field icon. That's the match center. Click that during the games, and then on the top, it'll say live commentary. Click that icon, and you can listen to the games free. Uh, you can definitely try to sign up for Shaka TV. Good luck. Uh, we try being the operative the operative word in that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be nice. To to TV. <laughs> Keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, whether it's live stream or the podcast. Uh, we'll try to bring you updates as much as possible. Uh, good night, Renee. I see you having a good night there. Uh, we want to thank Shock Providers Tidbits for our podcast tonight. Uh, any topics you'd like us to discuss, anything you want us to uh, do a live stream or a video on, let us know at Shock America. Jack, anything or anyone you would like to plug uh, – here at the end before you uh tell people where they can find you on social media uh i'm gonna take an opportunity to uh direct my attention to chicago bears head coach matt Nagy and just say please consider starting justin fields uh and with that you can find me on twitter at jm megan j-m-m-a-n-g-a-n beautiful and then uh again the podcast that you join uh what was the name of their of their podcast the Marside view the Marside view definitely give them a follow uh, seemed a good, good group of guys. Definitely check out our episode that uh, Jack was on uh, to hear what his uh, insights were. So, I mean, Harit and what he possibly could bring to uh, Olympic Marseille. So uh, beautiful. As always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N uh, on Twitter. And make sure, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the page, like, leave comments, let us know how we're doing. Uh, and then you can find us anywhere on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You see the handles down below. Uh, and as well... You can listen to us everywhere, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere, Apple Podcasts. So definitely give us a follow on our podcast. They are weekly. So uh, until the next episode comes, my friends, stay ready. I'll be with you soon. Blue Golf.